Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. Welcome to Heme Consults. I am your host, Teresi Anwemena, hematologist, physician scientist, educator, and friend. The theme scripture for today's podcast episode is Deuteronomy chapter 30. First of all, I want to start by saying, dear woman of color in hematology, you have the power of choice. You've been making choices since the day you were born, and that power still remains with you. Yeah, you may be in the early phases of your career, still learning the ropes and trusting people to light the path ahead of you, but the ultimate choice rests with you. Sometimes people will tell you the lie that you don't yet know how to choose or you're too young. Others are smarter than you or they know more than you do. They'll tell you they know what's best for you. But it's not true. You get to choose. No matter the circumstance, you always get to choose. You get to choose your life. You get to choose your path. And you get to choose how you win. You are a mature adult who was making choices well before you came into a career in hematology. And no one can take the power of choice away from you, no matter how senior. Yeah, the difference between those who came before, who are more senior in their career, is just that they came earlier. You're separated in time. Yeah, they came before you. Maybe they have more information than you do. But it doesn't make them know how to choose for you more than you know how to choose for you. So get the information you need so that you can feel confident that you're making the best possible choice. You have great judgment. You make good choices. So choose. Please choose. Because if you don't choose, someone else will choose for you. Therefore, I want to encourage you to choose. I want to encourage you to choose life. Okay, today's story is another story from early in my career about how I threw away my power of choice and ended up in chaos. Thinking about this story makes me laugh. When I, when I first started in academic medicine, I was a goody two-shoes. I, I did whatever they told me. I did whatever I was told. See, this is a strategy that had been working for me since childhood, right? I did what I was told. My parents praised me. I got to smirk at my siblings. It was great. And you know what? It also worked for me in medical school and throughout my training. It gave me the list of milestones, my rotation schedule, and I just followed the path and worked hard to do my best possible. And I killed it every time. 
They would tell me what I was, what I should do. I would do what I was told. I would smile a lot, stay out of trouble. And I was fine. And so, of course, when I finished my training and it was time to start this faculty job, I just took the strategy from my past and planted it into my academic career. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was in for a shock. Because the number of people who were lined up to tell me what to do was endless. There were the clinical people. And they told me I needed to see a patient every 15 minutes. Stay on schedule. Close your drugs by the end of the day. And then there were my patients who, you know, came late to the appointment but wanted to spend more time with me. And then they would send me t- a ton of my chart messages that, of course, they wanted responded to as soon as possible. And then I would call them and they would play phone tag with me. And then there was the nursing staff who were supposed to be supporting me. And they just wanted me to respond as soon as they paged me. They wanted me to check my own labs. Oh, no, call your own patients and do all your own support. And then, of course, there were the research people. And they were like, well, you should be writing and submitting manuscripts and grants. Find your own protected time. (laughs) Ah, And then there was the graduate medical education people. They were like, you know, you need to take better care of the fellows. They're... Yeah, they're working really hard. Can you make sure they aren't working too hard? Can you cover their pager when you can? Can you see patients for them when, they, when the load gets too much? And then there were the compliance people. And they wanted to make sure I was completing modules, make sure my license was up to date, the CME, and that I was doing all the stuff I needed to do to get high patient satisfaction scores. High patient satisfaction scores. I mean, the number of requirements was incredible. And so, In order for me to accomplish all these things, I turned to my default strategy because that was all I had. And I started working extra hard to please everybody. And you know, I was like a hamster on a crazy wheel. I would try to rush the patient appointment so I could stay within schedule, but then the patient would be dissatisfied. Doctor and women are rushed me. And then I would spend extra time with the patients. And, and then I didn't finish my notes on time because I spent all day in clinic. And then I tried to keep up with the nursing requests. But somehow, oh, Dr. Nwemina is not responsive enough. <laughs> and then with my research goals, I didn't have enough publications. I wasn't submitting enough grants. But how could I be? I mean, where was I going to find the time to do all of that? And how about the fellowship people? Well, you know, the fellows are complaining, Dr. Nwemina. somehow I was taking on more of their responsibilities but they were feeling more stressed and the fellowship directors were like please take on more and then there were the compliance people they were like you know Dr. Women I need more training because your patients (laughs) you need to help them be less angry I'm like oh they would be less angry if the schedule ran on time (laughs) if I had support for my my chart messaging And everything was just blowing up around me. I mean, it it was horrendous. I mean, no matter what I did, I couldn't keep up. And if I managed to make one group happy, the others were displeased. So after a while, I started falling behind schedule. The emails and continual reminders were like, they were so stressful. And the only way I felt like I could make it work was to borrow from the margins of my life. So that was a little bit difficult because at the time, my children were younger than three. So I would rush home, get them to bed, and then start the next phase of my work. And then invariably, I was tired. I would fall asleep. I'd wake up and then I would do it again. And then the children would wake up and it was time to get the day started. It was just this unending cycle where 
I was looking for every spare moment to keep working. I was tired. I wasn't even efficient. So I was just frazzled and stressed all the time. I couldn't even do simple things like wash dishes. I couldn't wash dishes. Okay, I would stand in front of the sink and I would be about to start washing dishes. And then there would be a voice in my head saying, you don't have time to do dishes. What about your notes? (laughs) And no lie, immediately I would just start having serious palpitations. Like my hands would start shaking. I couldn't do the dishes. I'd put them down. I'd go back to my computer. start working again. I mean, I was having arguments with my husband about doing dishes. And I couldn't explain to him how standing at the sink was making me ill. I was just frantic. I was anxious. I was stressed. I was, I was in trouble. (sighs) Well, it finally came to a head when I got fired from vacation. Yep, you heard that right. I got fired. So we had friends who had invited us to go to the beach. It was a three-day weekend coming up and um, they had invited us and And somehow I I just couldn't get it together to get the work done, to be ready to go for the trip. And it just came to a point where they were like, you know what? Can you just not come? (laughs) They just invited us from the vacation. Who does that? Like, I mean, up until that time, you know, no one had ever disinvited me from a vacation. I didn't even know it was possible. I mean, yeah, we hadn't paid for anything. They were like, oh, we're, we're going here and you can come with us. And so in a sense, we hadn't made a financial investment, so it wasn't really our vacation. But still, uh, that seemed kind of harsh to me. (laughs) And so instead of going away with friends for a restful weekend, I was just, I just needed to catch up on work. And so I handed over the children to my husband and I went away for Memorial Day of 2017. I spent it in my office trying to catch up. For three days, I didn't go home. I was sleeping on my threadbare office carpet. I mean, those are probably the same carpet that had been there when the building was first built in 1952. I mean, it was not very pretty carpet. It was not comfortable at all. There I was, sleeping, away from my family. I was just trying to get it together. I was sleeping on the floor at work. That was my life. All right, I'm going to leave this one as a cliffhanger, guys. But I do want to share some lessons up until this point. Let's start with lesson number one. As long as I looked at other people to tell me what to do, my life was in chaos. I had too many bosses, and they all wanted different things. None of them cared what any of the others wanted. None of them cared about what was going on in my entire life. So they yelled loudly about their own requirements and. And they felt like each one, each person felt like what they wanted was the most important. And because I was trying to live life pleasing everyone, I was always serving the person who was yelling the loudest. And in medicine, there were a lot of yelling people. And so I was trying hard to make them all happy. And while doing that, I was making myself unhappy. You know, maybe it would have been okay if I was the only one unhappy by myself. But no, it didn't affect just me. It affected everybody else in my life. I was on edge all the time. I couldn't contribute meaningfully at home. I was always yelling at the kids. And even my friends didn't want to hang out with me. (laughs) They fired me from vacation. I had abdicated my power of choice to other people. And because they didn't understand or care how the pieces of my life fit together, their choices didn't work for me. But by letting others choose for me, I was spinning out of control. 
And that brings me to lesson number two, which is that, you know what? There's only one person holding the blueprints of the master plan for my life. Everybody doesn't know what's going on. I am the one who knows. And when you look at each constituency that I was trying to please, they were each making up their rules for me. And it made sense for them from their singular perspective. It absolutely made sense for the clinic people from the point of efficiency, for the research people from the point of what are the metrics. But there was nobody who had a global perspective on my life. They didn't care. They didn't know. They had no idea of what was the bird's eye view of my entire life. They couldn't see how their requirements were were affecting me. But I, I could see that. (laughs) I, I could. I could see it. I could see how the clinical requirements affected my research goals. I could see how the patient care load impacted my life at home. Only I could see the effects of all these well-intentioned bosses. And since my career was only one piece of my entire life, it didn't make sense that it should rule the rest of my life. And frankly, my career was doing a bad job being the boss of me. It was time for me to step up and become my own boss. And that brings me to lesson number three. I had, but I wasn't using my power to choose. When I finally reached rock bottom of the effects of having other people choose for me, it became clear that they were choosing for me because I wasn't choosing for myself. By letting people dictate what I did, I was also letting them choose who I became. Therefore, I needed to choose first who I would become and then decide what activities fit with the person I have chosen. I needed to first choose me and the kind of person I wanted to be And then I could see which partners were allowed to come with me on the journey. And I chose. I chose life. I chose peace. I chose joy. I chose to be the kind of person who wasn't so stressed that she would actually entertain sleeping on her office floor. I chose a full life. I chose joy and laughter. I chose to do the dishes. I chose me. And the moment I started choosing, other people stopped choosing for me. And it's not that they didn't try. It's that it became really clear really quickly that the position of boss of my life was already taken. They could see it. So then that brings me to the calls to action. I would say that number one is that you should fire all the bosses and choose only one. Yeah, fire all of them. Choose one. You can only have one boss. So you can see, as has happened to me, when you have so many bosses, they will all together with good intentions ruin your life. So when you go to choose who your boss will be, I want you to choose the one who has the bird's eye view of your entire life, not just your work life. I want you to choose the boss who cares that you're a happy, healthy person in all areas of your life, including your love life, your home life, and your family life. I want you to choose the boss who cares about the impact your life is having on other people. I want you to choose the boss who cares about what your life will look like 50 years from now, 100 years from now. Choose the boss who wants you to succeed as a fully integrated person, not just a person who produces grants and manuscripts. Choose the boss who loves you. Choose the boss who helps you have a real, fulfilled life. My second call to action is that you should take time to discover who you are and what you really want. 
For me and my socialization growing up, I spent so much time working to please people. I became like a chameleon. I didn't even really know what I was or what I, who I wanted to be. I, I had no idea. I was just being whatever they told me. And therefore, part of this journey of discovering who I chose to be was to shut out all that noise of people who were free to tell me who I was and what I should do and really do some deep introspection and reflection. I mean, I didn't do it alone. I got help. My biggest help came from my executive coach, Judith, who helped me see how what I believed was driving me to ruin. And over the course of the work we did together, I developed a life plan that included other critical areas of my life, not just my career, but also my financial life and my legacy. And my life plan helped me discover that, yeah, my career in hematology is a big part of my life. But it's not the most important piece. It's not even the second most important piece. And so I just want to encourage you to take time to discover who you are and what you really want out of this career in hematology. And the third thing that I would tell you is that you choose, choose who you become. See, out of who you are flows what you do. It's not the other way around. Therefore, you first have to choose who you become, and then you decide what actions make sense for the kind of person you have chosen to be. When you choose who you become, you can easily see the things that don't fit, and then abandon them, or you can put them in their place where they belong. When you choose who you become, there are things you stop tolerating and voices you stop listening to. In fact, voices that you ask to keep silent. When you choose who you become, it doesn't matter how loudly they yell because the voice inside you is so much louder. When you choose who you become, you get to make a contribution that is out of this world. You get to really define your greatness, not other people trying to define it for you. So I just want to encourage you to choose who you become. That ends today's episode. As you go, I want to encourage you to do the work of learning about yourself so you can choose well. I want you to learn about who you are and what you came to do so that you can make the right choices. Please make the necessary investment. Please discover your purpose. Discover who you are. Because out of who you are flows everything. I want to encourage you to exercise your power to choose this week. Start exercising that power. You have everything you need to make good choices. Trust yourself to choose the right thing. Trust yourself to choose life. Have a great week ahead. The change that is happening inside of you will be experienced powerfully by the world around you. Thank you for listening. Let's continue the conversation online at coagcoach.com. See you next time.